The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines. Delta has partnered with 55 academic institutions to create a pipeline of the next generation of pilots and technicians. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, December 12th. In today's news, Theresa May faces an impending vote of no confidence. A throwdown in the Oval Office increases the odds of a government shutdown next week. And Google's CEO gets some awkward questions on Capitol Hill. But first, the big idea. U.S. investigators increasingly believe that the Chinese State Intelligence Service was behind the Marriott hack that has affected up to 500 million people. Preliminary indications show the breach was executed by hackers working for the Chinese Ministry of State Security. The MSS, as it's known, has been behind many other Chinese government intrusions into sensitive U.S. networks in recent years. The Marriott breach exposed an unusually broad array of data, including names, addresses, phone numbers, but also passport numbers and credit card numbers, as well as information on where people traveled and with whom. Such information would be invaluable to intelligence agencies seeking to build dossiers and track movements of diplomats, spies, military personnel, business executives, and journalists. Armed with a rich array of personal data, an intelligence agency can tailor an approach to see whether an individual can be recruited as a spy or blackmailed for information. The passport data, which is not often collected as part of these data breaches, is a particularly valuable find for the communists. U.S. intelligence officials believe that the breach was conducted to enrich the massive Chinese data sets that Beijing has been building on U.S. citizens. Other such breaches include the hacks of Anthem and Care First, which were aimed at getting sensitive health records and other embarrassing or potentially compromising material on U.S. citizens. Then there was the incredibly damaging 2015 intrusion at the Office of Personnel Management, where detailed records were stolen on more than 20 million U.S. government employees and their family members, as well as people who have applied for security clearances. The Trump administration is now formulating plans to condemn China for these hacking attempts and a massive ongoing campaign of economic espionage. And perhaps the most significant move, the Post's Ellen Nakashima reports that the Justice Department will soon announce the indictments of hackers suspected of being involved. Along with that, the administration is planning to declassify intelligence relating to the breaches, which date to 2014, and to impose a round of sanctions on some of those believed responsible. Meanwhile, Trump told Reuters in an Oval Office interview that he is willing to personally intervene in the Justice Department's case against Chinese tech executive Meng Wanzhou, who is wanted for extradition to the United States from Canada. The comment, starkly at odds with earlier remarks from U.S. officials, came shortly after she was granted bail as she awaits an extradition hearing. Canadian authorities also confirmed that Michael Kovrig, a former Canadian diplomat and an analyst for the International Crisis Group, has been detained in China. It's unclear whether Kovrig's case is related to China's threats that there will be severe consequences for Canada if Meng is not released. But the detention of a Canadian citizen in China is sure to complicate the already complex standoff involving Beijing, Washington, and Ottawa. An intervention by Trump would seem to confirm Beijing's suspicion that this is not a legal proceeding, but a political negotiation, potentially changing the terms of the conflict. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one. Britain's Conservative Party has called for a no-confidence vote against Prime Minister Theresa May. 
after she acknowledged the likely parliamentary defeat of her Brexit deal. May quickly responded that she will not resign, but will defend her vision for Brexit. She warned rebellious lawmakers that ousting her now will not make getting a deal any easier and instead will bring delay and confusion. The vote over the prime minister's fate will take place Wednesday evening. If a large number of Tories vote against her, she may be pressed to resign. If half the Conservative Party members vote against her, she would be removed from office. May spent Tuesday meeting with EU leaders, trying to secure new concessions that might appease these angry British lawmakers. For the Tories to challenge May, ostensibly their party leader, they needed at least 15% of their 315 conservative lawmakers to send letters to Sir Graham Brady, the chair of the 1922 committee in Parliament. Brady informed the Prime Minister late Tuesday night that that threshold had been reached. He told the BBC that she was businesslike and keen to proceed as quickly as possible when she heard the news. Number two, Trump, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer berated each other on camera Tuesday during a meeting in the Oval Office. The spectacle underscored the distance between the two sides as they confront a fast-approaching deadline for a partial government shutdown. The three leaders literally pointed fingers, raised their voices, and interrupted one another repeatedly. Schumer accused the president of throwing a temper tantrum. The stunning public spat ended with Trump declaring that he'll be proud to shut down the government to get the money he wants for his long-promised border wall. If the president follows through on his threat, about 25% of the federal government would begin to run out of money on December 21st, putting hundreds of thousands of federal workers at risk of being furloughed without pay just before Christmas. The two sides remain billions apart on border security. The president is demanding $5 billion for a wall, and Democrats are offering no more than $1.3 billion for fencing. Tuesday's talks brought them no closer to a resolution. Number three, Google CEO Sundar Pichai sailed through his congressional testimony Tuesday without any obvious flubs. The hearing was designed as a scene of performative political outrage at big tech, which has spent much of the past year as a punching bag over claims of anti-conservative bias. And like previous hearings involving Twitter chief Jack Dorsey or Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg, Pachai's hearing had all the trappings of a modern Washington circus. The demands from lawmakers ranged from prosecutorial cross-examinations to questions more likely to be expressed by old uncles seeking tech support from young kids during Thanksgiving. Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California asked Pachai why a Google search of the word idiot brought up images of Trump. Steve King of Iowa asked the CEO to explain why his seven-year-old granddaughter's iPhone had been acting strangely recently. Pachai quietly explained that the iPhone is made by a different company called Apple. After it all, Pachai proved even to his critics to be a master of deflection, capable of gliding past tough questions and consistently nailing his talking points, saying a lot while conveying very little. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, December 12th. We say a little and hope to convey a lot. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Martine Powers, host of Post Reports, a new daily podcast from The Washington Post, with the news, insights, and storytelling that you've come to expect from our newsroom. Check it out now at WashingtonPost.com slash Post Reports.